This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome. It's the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. One where we look at our national side. Be it the senior men, the lionesses, our young lions. No one is off limits. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, welcome along. There are plenty of older episodes that are still relevant for your ears. Just go back over the episodes and see what takes your fancy. And of course, if you are a regular listener, hello as always to you. Now, this episode is the next in our World Cup series, one which began at the start of this year, 2022, when we found out about the very early tournaments that England did and didn't take part in. It's about hearing the stories from those that were there. It's not just all about the football. But anyway, I'll leave you to your leisure to explore those episodes that perhaps you haven't heard yet. But moving on, we are now getting into the time where I'm sure for the vast majority of listeners, you'll have pretty good memories. Whether you went or not, Germany. 2006, a mere 16 years ago, the 18th FIFA World Cup. A tournament I went to, although not as an England travel club member, so I I had no chance really of seeing the team. I went with a couple of very good friends, Steve and Dan. Dan, who you would have heard on the 2002 Japan Career episode. Somehow we decided to go to what was the old East Germany, to Leipzig. I'm assuming because it was the only game we had tickets for. That was Spain against Ukraine. A match Spain won 4-0. It was the opening game of Group H. And the Central Stadion, as it was known by then, now the Red Bull Arena, would host four group games and one round of 16 match. I recently found my ticket, cost me €27, and the tournament programme, €10. Now, I have memories of watching some of the matches in the fan zones. There was one in Berlin. That one was on a massive closed-off road with a huge screen at one end. It was sort of picture-framed by the Brandenburg Gate, of which, if my memory serves me correctly the BBC had positioned their studio on the other side of the gate, uh, meaning that the Brandenburg Gate was their backdrop. There was one time we were watching an afternoon game there. I can't remember who we were actually watching, but it was fairly busy. Uh, But there were announcements being made over the PA, and I think also on the screen in various languages, saying that the screen was going to be turned off soon as there was a storm due in. Lo and behold, that storm came in. The screens went off. There was a mass exodus, plastic beer cups strewn across the road. And my word, 
did the rain come in. Huge lightning storm accompanying it too. We sought refuge in the Reichstag building, Germany's parliament. And I remember watching the rain bouncing off the floor. Uh, But in general though, it was a tournament with pretty decent weather. I remember we also had trips to the Stasi Museum, which was a bit of an eye-opener. And of course, no trip to Berlin would be complete without taking in Checkpoint Charlie and of course the Berlin Wall. We'll get on to some more memories soon. But first, let's find out a little bit about the tournament. Bidding for it was decided in July 2000 in Zurich. It was fought over by Germany, South Africa, England and Morocco. Germany eventually won out over South Africa in the final round. Although, of course, South Africa would have their day when they hosted it in 2010. The whole bid, though, was soured by allegations of bribery and corruption, which I'll get to in a moment. But England's bid, first, was frankly an embarrassment, caused in the main by our own FA. It went back to the time of bidding for the 1996 European Championships. The then FA chairman, Sir Bert Millichip, he shook hands with the German FA that we would support their bid for the 2006 World Cup if they got behind our bid for Euro 96, which they did. Of course, when it came round to bidding, FIFA were then concerned that by having two European countries, it was going to split the vote. And obviously, Germany weren't too happy about us going back on our word. Our campaign between 1998 and 2000 went under the banner of football's coming home, which in turn was looked upon by Europe as being arrogant. And then there was the hooliganism that followed England to Euro 2000. Our bid by then was pretty much dead and buried at a cost of £10 million. Twice that of any other bidding country. The bribery and corruption story is something that apparently is still being investigated to this day by the FIFA Ethics Committee. Apparently, many countries were invited to support Germany's bid by favours given to them. For example, in the run-up to the bidding, Germany lifted arms embargoes on Saudi Arabia. Daimler Chrysler, part of the Mercedes-Benz organisation, a well-known German company, of course, well, apparently they invested a substantial amount of money into Hyundai. Volkswagen and Bayer, a German pharmaceutical company, well, they invested heavily in Thailand and South Korea. I think you can see where I'm going with this. Obviously, there's a lot more that went with it. But ultimately, a unified Germany won out and would host the tournament for the first time. The only other time was when West Germany hosted it and won it in 1974. Let's move on to our qualification We were drawn in Group 6 of UEFA's qualification alongside Poland, Austria, Northern Ireland, Wales and Azerbaijan. 
We would come top of the group with eight wins, one draw. That was in the opening game away to Austria. And one defeat, famously away to Northern Ireland in Belfast. Remember that one. But as for the tournament, once again, it was a 32-team competition. Only the hosts, Germany, would qualify automatically. So in total, there was 14 from Europe. And for the first time, the current holders, in this case Brazil, would have to qualify. The reason given by FIFA was that the friendlies that the holders would play, instead of qualifiers, were inferior preparation and so were not comparable to the qualifiers the other nations in their respective region would play. So Brazil qualified alongside Argentina, Ecuador and Paraguay. Four nations qualified from Asia, Saudi Arabia, Japan, South Korea and Iran. Five from Africa, Togo, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Angola and Tunisia. Four nations from CONCACAF, that's the North, Central America and the Caribbean. They were the United States, Mexico, Costa Rica and Trinidad and Tobago. And Australia, they qualified from Oceania. First-timers included Angola, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Togo, Trinidad and Tobago. Serbia and Montenegro, Czech Republic and Ukraine also qualified, although these were now independent nations. But they'd previously qualified as Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia and the Soviet Union, respectively. But it was a tournament that didn't feature the likes of Turkey, Senegal, Egypt, Belgium, Cameroon and Denmark. Now, Germany, with a successful Bundesliga, would have a variety of stadiums to choose from. Twelve venues spread all across the country. Whilst the Olympia Stadion in West Berlin was used in 1974, the only other stadium in East Germany this time around was the Central Stadion in Leipzig. Now, once qualified, England were grouped in Group B with Paraguay, Sweden and first-timers Trinidad and Tobago. England, well, they'd base themselves in the spa town of Baden-Baden in the Black Forest. And as would the Wags. And we'll get on to them. It was a squad picked by manager Sven Goran Eriksson, of course, England's first ever foreign coach. Three goalkeepers, Paul Robinson of Tottenham Hotspur, David James of Manchester City, Scott Carson of Liverpool. Defenders, Gary Neville and Rio Ferdinand of Manchester United, Ashley Cole and Sol Campbell of Arsenal, John Terry and Wayne Bridge of Chelsea and Jamie Carragher of Liverpool. Midfielders, Stephen Gerrard of Liverpool, David Beckham of course, was captain for this tournament. He was currently playing his trade in Spain for Real Madrid. From Chelsea, there was Frank Lampard and Joe Cole. Owen Hargreaves was at Bayern Munich. Stuart Downing came from Middlesbrough. And there was a Tottenham Hotspur trio of Jermaine Jenis, Michael Carrick and Aaron Lennon. And then four forwards. Wayne Rooney of Manchester United. Michael Owen of Newcastle United. Peter Crouch of Liverpool and Theo Walcott of Arsenal. 
Now, it was the selection of Walcott, who at the time was only aged 17. It caused huge controversy, as previously he'd only made one substitute appearance prior to the World Cup. That was in a 3-1 friendly against Hungary at Old Trafford on the 30th of May. Ericsson, he defended his decision to pick him, saying it would be good experience for him for future tournaments. He wouldn't play a part in any of the World Cup matches. So the Wags, wives and girlfriends, if you didn't know. 2006, they pretty much emerged. Supposedly there to support their other halves and, and generally keep out of the limelight. Not this lot, though. Led by Victoria Beckham, wife of David and former Spice Girl, she had an army to keep check of. Cheryl Tweedy, partner of Ashley Cole, a member of Girls Aloud. It was all sunglasses, expensive clothes, big handbags, and looking good for the camera when they all walked about town and were seen in the grounds. Colleen McLaughlin was there too, childhood sweetheart of Wayne Rooney. Abby Clancy, partner of Peter Crouch, and Alex Curran, partner of Stephen Gerrard. So what about them? Well, (laughs) they'd done their best to have a good time whilst they were there in Germany. Staying in their nice hotel in the Black Forest Mountains, they supposedly went on an hour's shopping spree and racked up a £57,000 bill. There was dancing on the tables until the early hours, copious amounts of champagne drunk, and public trips to theme parks. Could be said, in the end, our press became too focused on them more than the team. In fact, one media outlet referred to them as hooligans with credit cards. It's said that Sven Goran Eriksson and Captain David Beckham They'd agreed for them to come along. In the end, it all became too much. The next time England made it to the World Cup in 2010, manager Fabio Capello put his foot down. No wags. Now, if you're a regular listener to these episodes on the World Cups, you'll know that I like to delve a little deeper into those sort of other things that happen when these World Cups come around. This one... No different. If you were viewing on the TV back home, you would have watched these games either on the BBC or ITV. And these games, as always, they come with their intros. And this is how we often remember our tournaments by. The BBC, they went with an arrangement of Handel's See the Conquering Hero Comes. It was recorded by the BBC Concert Orchestra and their singers. Visually, it's a bit nothingy. There's visions of famous players of the time, Henri, Messi, Ronaldinho, all appearing in front of German locations. And the image of a young Rooney, as the credits come to an end, looking down the barrel of the camera. It's all a bit cringeworthy. ITV, strange one this, six years before the BBC used David Bowie's Heroes as their Olympic soundtrack, 
ITV used a version covered by Leicester band Kasabian. Whilst the cover version wasn't the best, the opening credits were a montage of World Cup posters over the years. Actually, quite an interesting one, this. I think if you were to have a winner between the two, it'd probably be ITV. On the poster front, this was possibly one of the least exciting ones. Or I'm missing something obvious. It's predominantly a deep blue night sky with plenty of stars. Then a constellation of sorts that make up an old school panelled football in the sky. Beneath the tournament logo, one made of three smiling faces within circles with the dates below. Kind of seems as posters have come along, less and less thought appears to have gone into them. Or perhaps they just don't seem so important now. I don't know. Then there was the mascot, Golio. He was a large lion who wore a white shirt with black trim, similar to the style Germany wore in the 70s. He had 06 on the front and his name on the back. He was the main mascot, but would often be joined by Pili, a talking football. Golio, though, was not received too well, as generally Germany, well, they don't really have an association with lions, do they? More eagles, or apparently squirrels, so the internet tells me. And the fact that Golio didn't wear trousers, that bought him some unwanted attention too. And then there was the music. 2006, certainly not a vintage year. Il Devo, a four-piece Simon Cowell-inspired vocal group, well, they teamed up with Tony Braxton for the official tournament song. That was called The Time of Our Lives. West Yorkshire band Embrace, they released World at Your Feet. It had some inspirational lyrics, but really just lacked a bit of punch. Tony Christie. He rehashed his song, Is This The Way to Amarillo? He rehashed it with, Is This The Way to the World Cup? And then there was Infernal. They were a Danish dance duo who originally had a hit with From Paris to Berlin. That was then changed to From London to Berlin as the World Cup approached. Terrible lyrics, of course. When we're thinking of Rue and all the things he can do, we're going to win the World Cup. You've got us cheering for you.
right then, let's go back 16 years, 2006. Uh, and here to join me is Crystal Palace and England fan Howard Taylor. How are they, Howard? You all right? Yeah, good. Thanks, Russell. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Uh, we've spoken before. You you came on, it was during lockdown, wasn't it, when uh, when you were winning the England quizzes? Yeah, I was lucky enough to do quite well in that and ended up doing a quiz with uh, uh, Sir Gareth and uh, a guy called Bobby Seagull, funnily enough, being a Palace fan, his name was Seagull, and he was a mastermind and eggheads winner and um his specialist subject was english football and we uh it was a quiz was recorded and i uh was lucky enough to have won it so that was quite good oh, congratulations yeah. yeah i've got my signed england shirt up in my office pride of place in the frame. <laughs> oh, that was that was the prize was it it, it was yeah yeah marvelous well go on then. let's go back to to 2006 and germany and the world cup was this the first world cup you'd you'd been to um, yeah, it was actually. I mean, the um, 2002 World Cup, I had tickets for South Korea and Japan for two of the group games. Mm. But at that point, I really had no one to travel with. And I just thought it was a long way to go on my own and it, it was going to be very expensive. So um, the, the same tout that got me my ticket for England, Germany in uh, Munich for the 5-1, I approached him and switched my two England tickets for 12 grandstand Ascot tickets that year. So uh, oh. that's what I had in return for those two tickets. Oh. Uh, but yeah, the uh, 2004, I was lucky enough to get tickets for every single game for the Euros in Portugal. And then 2006 came along and I applied for all the tickets. I, I didn't manage to get um, two of the group games, um, but decided to go out to Germany for one of them anyway, to see if I could get a ticket out there. Okay. So were you part of like the, the England travel club at the time? Yeah, I, I joined as soon as I came back from the 5-1 in 2001, but didn't have enough caps to qualify for all the tickets for 2006. So I went into a ballot and didn't get all of them. Gotcha. Um, I, I got tickets for the Paraguay game, the first game, and also for the Ecuador and the quarterfinal and the semi and final if we'd have got there, but I didn't get the Trinidad and Tobago and Sweden games. Uh, okay well we'll we'll go go through them as i'm sure you watched them on the telly and all that as well whilst you were, were going through the world cup but i mean that world cup i i went out to germany um i didn't see any of the england games but everywhere you went there were england fans and i i seem to remember at the time there were sort of rumors that there was like 150 200,000 England fans just decided to go on mass to Germany with the with the sort of the idea of just sampling the World Cup and in the vain hope of getting a ticket yeah I mean at that time as well we had a very good side you know we were full of confidence you know it was like the middle of the golden era really and we had Rooney was um, more mature than Portugal by then Owen was still around we had Lampard Gerrard you know Terry uh, Ferdinand, Ashley Cole. We had a world-class team. I didn't have a world-class goalkeeper, unfortunately, but apart from that, we had quite a good team. It was um, like Paul Robinson, think, wasn't it? Yeah, but I think we, because we, you know, it's, it's very, very easy to get to Germany. Um, I made the decision that I wasn't going to stay there. It's the only World Cup I haven't, actually. All the others have, have gone out and stayed, whether it was South Africa, Brazil, uh, Russia. Um, but Germany, I actually flew in and out for the games that I went to. And so I managed to sort of uh, save a little bit of holiday and do a bit of work. Well, I guess as well with with people thinking past this World Cup coming up for Qatar, the the next European Championships is is going to be in Germany. I imagine that people are going to be thinking along similar lines, just flying in, flying out. 
Yeah, I think it's cheaper because, you know, by the time you factor in the hotel accommodation and undoubtedly because you're not working, you're just out on the lash every day and going out for meals, you know what I mean, rather than, you know, shopping at Tesco's and having a ready-cooked meal when you come home. So it's not just the... uh, the flight, the flights obviously will cost money coming in and out, but I think overall it'd be cheaper than staying out there for the tournament. Yeah, no, it's it's certainly on my radar of of going in and out, but well, it's it's a, still a few years away um, at yeah. the moment, so who knows? I might win the lottery by then. Yeah. Um, but God, what what were you thinking like at the time for the World Cup? Obviously, we'd we'd qualified well for it. What were your thoughts? Was it something you thought you, we could win? Yeah, well, I, I, stupidly, I go to every tournament thinking that, you know. But, <laughs> we uh, all do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look at the squad we had then, comparing it to now, I mean, people are um, optimistic about Qatar with a squad that's nowhere near as strong as the one we had in 2006. Yeah. yeah and um, it, it kind of annoys me where Southgate's getting so much stick from certain members of the crowd because, you know, they say, oh, we should have done better in Russia and we should have done better in, in, in England. But, you know, we got further in both those tournaments than any of this golden generation did. You know, and if you actually did a composite team of both squads, there's not many players in our current squad that would get into a composite team from 2006. No, that's yeah, very, very true. Yeah, going through like the defenders, we've got like Terry, Campbell, Ferdinand, and say mm-hmm. Gerard Beckham, Lampard, and Rooney well, I mean, and Owen. Car- Carragher and Campbell couldn't get starting berths in that 2006 centre half position. Carragher ended up, play- ended up playing at right back. They would be shoo-ins for our team now. When you you look, we've got an out-of-form Maguire, Stones barely plays for City, Connor Cody, Tyrone Mings. Do you really think they're world-class? I don't. You know, but Sol Campbell was a fantastic defender. Carragher was one of the most successful defenders, you know, in in the world at that time with what he was winning at Liverpool. You know, so, you know, I think we have to put a bit of... I know, know, you know, Southgate has been criticised for perhaps not going for it enough in certain times in games. Kind of get that. But, you know... I think he knows deep down he needs two holding midfielders because our defence isn't good enough, you know, and, and he's given me some memories that I never thought I'd have. Yeah, you and me both. You and me both. But back then it was uh, it was Sven-Goran Eriksson was trying to give us the memories yeah, um, well, and the dreams. And we gave the press some memories, I think. Some of yeah, didn't he? Yes. It was quite <laughs> ironic that, of course, we drew Sweden in the group with him being Swedish. So. Yeah. Well, as you say, it, it started... Um, against Paraguay in Frankfurt and, and England were to travel all over Germany uh, in this tournament. Frankfurt, Nuremberg, Cologne, Stuttgart, Gelsenkirchen. Uh, but you say you, you went to that first game against Paraguay, got yeah. off to a great start, didn't it? Yeah, it was a dull game and we won with an own goal, but um, it was at least we won. That was the good thing. I, I remember, I think we were leaving the uh, the ground and saying, uh, we're not very good, we're not very good, but we're not going home, we're yeah. not going home. So it was quite, you know, typical English humour. Yeah. Um, but the, the second game was the one that I actually didn't actually go to Germany for, but I, I got invited by a client of mine to watch it at Soho House in London. Very and nice. Dwayne Ledejo was there, a few celebrities were there. And then after we went to the Embassy Club where there was Simon Jordan, Nick Moran, and the biggest array of beautiful women I've ever seen in one place in my life. <laughs> so although I wasn't in Germany, I had a good time watching that game as well. That was the Trinidad game, yeah. Trinidad uh, game. Yeah, that, that was famous, I think, for Crouch's um, hair pull on the Peterborough United defender to get above him to score the goal. So uh, Yeah, I've watched this earlier. 
Um, it was a, um, I think it was a Beckham free kick that put in for, for Crouch to score. And we left it late in that game. It was 83 minutes that Crouch scored. Um, so Trinidad and Tobago, who, who were making their debut in this World Cup, yeah, um, yeah he, he sort of pulled his hair and, and climbed all over him and, and put it in the net. Um, and then, to be fair, Gerard scored a screamer right on, on full time. Which Gerard can do. It's quite um, topical, really, with the hair pulling, isn't it, with the uh, Cucurella incident uh, recently? Yeah, yeah, that was in uh, Chelsea Tottenham recently. Yes, yes, you're right. So, I mean, by then, two two wins, I think we were probably through by then, and the, the Sweden game was like a, a formality. Yeah, funny story about that, actually, Russell, is that um, I went to, to Cologne without a ticket, as I say, and I decided I'd go up to about €100 Euros for a ticket. Mm. I thought that was reasonable. And so I was like, milling around. I thought, I'm on my own, so I've got a good chance to get a ticket. It's not yeah. like I'm looking for two or three together. And um, it was almost kick-off, couldn't get anything. I thought, well, I'll leave it five minutes after the game starts, bound to get a ticket then, yeah. no chance at all. So I decided to leg it as quick as I can to the nearest beer garden I could find. And I remember going in there, it was absolutely rammed with people, mainly England fans. Look, I looked at the screen and I, I saw Peter Crouch get the ball and I thought, I'm pretty sure he was on the subs bench. You know, what's going on there? And, of course, Owen had been taken off injured after four minutes. And I was 100 yards from the ground. I had no idea about this. Well, there were millions of people watching it on telly in England who knew far more about what was going on than I did. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I mean, that that Michael Owen injury was... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it since, or they've probably replayed it to death there. But he was just on his own. I think he'd, he'd got the ball, he was on his own, and he just twisted, turned, and just ended up in a heap. They're often the worst ones, aren't they, when there's no contact from another player? Yeah. You know, they're the ones that tend to be the bad ones. But, um, yeah, 2-2 draw there with Joe Cole scoring a, a screamer, as I recall. That was an amazing goal, wasn't it? Right from the, what was on the sort of the corner of the 18-yard box and he's sort of taken it and just lobbed it straight back to where it, into yeah. the uh, postage stamp of the uh, the goal net. Yeah, I think Sven was quite happy with the 2-2 draw anyway. So you know, Yeah. Because <laughs> we were like, say, we'd already qualified anyhow. Yeah, and I mean... One nil, one all, two one, two two. But I they think it very late on. I think as well, their equaliser wasn't it? It was, um, it was last minute or so. I think. Yeah, I believe so. Wasn't that uh, Larson? I think who scored that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he may have been at Celtic at the time, possibly. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Two thousand six. He probably was still there. Quite possibly. I don't think he was at United or Barcelona by then. But... No, but I mean, the Owen injury took the wind out of our sails, really, didn't it? Yeah, but we hadn't actually looked that great anyway in that tournament, even up until then. Even with him, I didn't think. You know, I mean, we should have been beating Trinidad and Tobago and Paraguay more easily than what we did, and we couldn't beat Sweden. So, sure. yeah, by the time we got to the knockout stages, my enthusiasm for us winning it had waned somewhat, although <laughs> I was grateful that we were still there, so I still had games to go to. So, yeah, the next one was the, the round of 16, Ecuador in Stuttgart. This is This is one that you had a ticket for then. Yeah, I got to that game. Yeah, that was that was cool. Yeah, that was I think famous for Beckham puking up on the pitch and then scoring the winner. Did he puke up? Did he? Yeah, he was ill. Yeah, I'm sure that he was sick on the pitch. Because I mean, the the temperature out there in Germany was so hot at the time. Yeah, it was lovely. And I tell you what else was lovely was you know the German people. You know, by then I'd, I'd been treated so nicely everywhere I'd been. You know, be it on public transport, hotels, or bars and restaurants. And um, I was starting to warm to the German people uh, to the extent that actually, when we got knocked out, I was hoping they were going to win it. Which okay. I, you 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 could have uh, 
You could have had a million to one of me saying that before the tournament yeah, started. Give your head a wobble there. <laughs> yeah, only because I didn't like the, t- the other teams that were left in it. Fair I didn't enough. want the Portuguese to win it after they knocked us out. No, no, that's <laughs> true. I mean, there was, wasn't it this tournament where, was it Paul Robinson hit the, one of the stadiums had like a TV, like monitors. Yeah. Um, right above the centre circle. I can't for the yeah. life of me remember which game it was now. It was the first game I think you'll find against uh, Paraguay. Because I think that that was the biggest cheer of the whole game when that happened. Because it, it sort of like lightened the, uh, you know, the, the dullness that was going on. But yeah, I remember that as well. Did he, did he do it intentionally? Uh, well, I think if he was aiming for it, knowing Paul Robinson's distribution skills, he probably would have missed. So I'm saying that, no, he didn't do it. <laughs> well, I mean, to his credit, this is a goalkeeper who scored from, True, from his yeah. own box. Well, he wasn't trying to, though. Well. <laughs> <laughs> or was he? I don't know. Well, he I'm sure he'll say that uh, he, he was trying. But yeah, that Ecuador game in, in Stuttgart was a uh, David Beckham free kick on, on yeah. the hour mark. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I've been... Through the uh, through the footage or the the brief highlights, and there wasn't really a, a great deal else to uh, to talk about. I don't think from the game, but I, I must admit yeah. I don't don't remember him throwing up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, maybe I got that wrong, but he was he was definitely ill on in a game, and I'm I'm sure it was that game. Oh. Um, but yeah, we I mean even that game we didn't look great, you know. And again, Ecuador for God's sake, I mean we should. Um, um, quite interestingly enough, actually, one of you know, on I like my quizzes, yeah, uh, there's a very good quiz question that actually ends up in 2006. Because, um, in 1998, a player played well, got on the bench for England, uh, when we played Chile at Wembley, and he actually played against us in that tournament in uh, in Germany. So, having been considered good enough to be, you know, a bench player for England, never got on, he played against us in 2006. That's one of my favorite quiz questions, actually, and that is. Shaka Hislop. Ah. So, yeah, in the Chile game 2008, when uh, Michael Owen actually made his debut that day, Salah mm. scored twice for Chile. Um, Nigel Martin was our keeper on the day, but Shaka Hislop was our reserve keeper. And uh, he would never got picked up for England again and then yeah. went off to play for Trinidad and Tobago. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, quite a, it's quite a good question. That, anyway. There you go. I mean, that to me is is almost, that's up there with like the, the Wilfred Zaha yeah. side of things. Played for England and for um, Ivory Coast. Yeah, but he, he didn't play uh, against England for the Ivory Coast recently. No. Had he done so, he would have been the first player to play for and against England. Um, but he was um, uh, he was injured, so he didn't get to, to play for the Ivory Coast. That's but had come closest because he was on the bench for England and played against it. Oh, there you go. You are you are a sort of wealth of wealth of England <laughs> knowledge. It's no wonder you won all these quizzes, uh, or perhaps that's why they stopped them. Yeah, I get fed up with you, mean. So let's let's get back to to two thousand and six. So in between that Ecuador game and the the quarter final, that Ecuador was twenty fifth of June and the quarter final was first of July. You'd come back home then, had you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I come back, did a bit of work, and then um, I flew out and actually flew into Dortmund because uh, it was better to get a flight there. And uh, I had to hire a car because I didn't have a massive amount of time. So yeah. I couldn't use brains and stuff. And uh, unknown to me, I got upgraded to a Volkswagen Beetle convertible, nice. uh, which was great. I was like, uh, I thought I was the bee's knees driving well, through the general countryside like that. I guess, the, I mean, the, the new the new Beetle, I say this in, in 2022, but like the Beetle that is around now, it probably would have been fairly new back in 2006, would it? 
Yeah, it was a new shaped one. It wasn't like the old style Herbie type. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a quality card. It went, you know, went really fast. So uh, yeah, I had my sunglasses on, roof off, driving through Germany. I thought it was great. Down those autobahns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the drive back wasn't quite so good. No, no I kind of feel I want to, I ought to explain Herbie for uh, for maybe some of the younger listeners. Yeah. No, but go and, go and Google it yourself or ask your parents. <laughs> but... Yeah, we- uh, our age, mate, we remember it, don't we? I know, yeah. <laughs> what was it, number 53 on the side? Uh, yeah, was it 53? Yeah, I think it might have been. Uh, I can't I the number, but I remember <laughs> the film. Uh, so it was Portugal again in the uh, in the quarterfinals. This after after they dumped us out in the Euros, hadn't they, two years previous? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, Rooney, of course, got sent off in the uh, infamous... Uh, it was a Chelsea defender, wasn't it? Was it uh, Carvalho? Carvalho? Yeah, and uh, Ronaldo winking at the uh, as he went off. Yeah, he got a lot of stick for that, didn't he? Yeah, so basically, yeah. Rooney he, he really deserved to get sent off for a stamp on Carvalho, um, and it was then that sort of Ronaldo, all the players were together and pushing and shoving. The referee, I don't think, was going to sh- send him send him off initially. I think he'd got away with the uh, the stamp. Uh, it's only when Ronaldo sort of came in and sort of pushed around and shoved and and basically told the referee to send him off that that the referee pulled the red card out and that's when he was uh, he was caught winking, wasn't it? He was, and I think they were teammates at the time at Man United as well, weren't they? They were, uh, which uh, you'd think he would uh, have a bit more empathy for his uh, club teammate, but I suppose you know he was more interested in getting through the round. Yeah. So whereabouts were you in the ground in, in Gelsenkirk? Can you remember? Uh, I, I was in the England end. Um, so I'm just trying to remember where that was in, exactly. Um, they're normally behind the goal. I guess I was behind the goal, but I can't yeah. honestly remember. I haven't got any photo. I've changed my phone since then. I was able to look at me, the camera, because I normally take photographs when I go yeah. to these times. So uh, that would be able to tell me where I was, but I'm pretty sure I was behind the goal. But I mean, do you remember what the atmosphere was like in that game? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we outnumbered the Portuguese, you know, 10 to yeah. 1, as we do generally in games. But yeah, I, I think even though we hadn't played well, obviously it's a quarterfinal, it's a knockout, you know, you only need a bit of luck. I mean, Spain have won t- tournaments where they've had enormous amounts of luck, you know. Yeah. So we were still hopeful that we would get through. But um, unfortunately, the dreaded penalty shootout came back to bite us again. Yeah, so despite the fact we were we're down to 10 men, we've done well to to hold on for uh, like what was it half hour left with with 10 yeah. men i remember ashley Cole was absolutely brilliant against ronaldo in that game as well he was uh, he showed his class so yeah ex- extra time which which remained goalless um and then as you say the uh, the penalties um came around and after obviously uh, i mean how many do we need to go through 1990 96 was a uh, we we won one lost one 98 2002, I don't There was no penalties in 2002, I don't think. No, I think we got beat by Brazil's fruit goal by um, Goofy, didn't we? Uh, so, yeah, Ronaldinho. I think yeah. That, that done for us in 2002. That's right. Um, well, 2004 yeah. was penalties to, to Portugal. That's when um, when the goalkeeper yeah, they took one. Yeah, they Yes, right. Yeah. But um, this one, it uh, it ended 3-1, I think it was, to... Uh, to Portugal, Lampard missed one. Hargreaves was the only one to score. Uh, well, he's but... German, isn't he? So the Germans <laughs> never miss penalties. So, <laughs> well, actually, Carragher did score a penalty, but well, they made it. retake it. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. 
remember why he had to retake it. I can only assume that I don't know. The goalkeeper some... wasn't quite ready. Was the official reason, I believe. Um, so then he made made him take it again. He missed it. Uh, okay. I mean, even I mean back then there was this. I mean, they may, may say the goalkeeper wasn't ready, but they didn't have this ruling where the goalkeeper had to stay on their line as mm. sort of thorough as it is now, yeah. uh, do they? Yeah, I, th- I think it was Carragher began his run up before the goalkeeper had settled on the line, and they ah. decided he'd, he'd actually done that too soon. Gotcha. But I imagine the whistle must have been blown. But you know, we never get any luck in major tournaments, do we? Let's be honest. <laughs> Apart from sixty-six, of course. Well, of course, yeah. The, the Carragher penalty miss. Well, I haven't actually. I don't think I've read it, but it wasn't his autobiography though, where he said that he, it didn't bother him that much. It didn't bother him missing a penalty for England as much as it would have done for Liverpool. Am I right in that? Remembering that, I've not. It wouldn't surprise me if mm. he said that. I haven't actually seen him or heard him say that. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I might That's have it. to uh, to double check my facts on that one. Yeah, but... We don't want to be too controversial, particularly in light of the Liverpool fans booing the national anthem, mate. Because uh, you know we'd hate to be considered biased against uh, our Scouse brothers. Yeah, let's let's, uh, let's just leave that one there for the time. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, it had to be Ronaldo, though, didn't it? He he was the one with the winning penalty um, who took them through to the uh, to the semi final. So I haven't got it here who they uh, went out to, but they obviously didn't make it to the uh, to the final. No, it's fine. When when we get beat in a tournament, I've, I barely watch a game after that normally because I'm so you know, frustrated about it all, you know, so um, I certainly, I mean, I mean, when we got beaten the semi-final in Russia, um, we ended up in St. Petersburg, um, which is where the third place playoff was being held. And I didn't even want to go to that. I went off to Hungary and went home. I mean, once we knocked out, I, I just lose interest in it because it's just a deflating experience, you know, having travelled so long and so far to try and see us win something. I just can't get worked up for a, a final or anything. No, you, I'm. My mates went to the final in Russia as well. Right. Yeah, I must admit, when when we do get knocked out, I'll I'll watch it if it's on, but I can't. You, you just don't take the interest in it, and it just sort of goes past in a bit of a blur, really. Yeah, it's a bit like you wouldn't go to your ex-wife's wedding again, you know, second time around, you know, it's, it's gone now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... Well, having not been in that position. <laughs> well, no, I mean, the final was France-Italy, wasn't it? And the famous Zidane oh, yes, Matarazzi course, yeah. headbutt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Portugal obviously went out to either one of those two. But it was uh, that final was settled on a uh, on a penalty shootout as well, wasn't it? Yeah. If you remember. <laughs> Well, Germ- yeah, well, Germany would have been the other semi-finalist, I think, because right. it was at that point I decided I was going to root for the Germans because I didn't particularly like France or Italy and Portugal had just done us. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was when I thought, ah, I'm putting my, putting my hat behind Germany. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm going to hope they win it. Um, but uh, it didn't happen. Well, no, no. No getting behind Germany this year? Uh, no, funny enough. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Qatar... For this year, is uh, you're you're going for that, are you? Yeah, we're, we're going. To, we're staying for the whole duration, um, basing ourselves mainly in Dubai, um, okay. only because I, I went to Qatar for the game against Brazil, however many years ago that was, and there's there's very very little to do there. It's very expensive. 
you know, just what's the point of going there? So we're we're basically we've got shuttle flights in and out for the mm. three group games. We're spending a bit of time in Oman. We've actually got a few nights on the QE2 while we're in Dubai, which is quite neat. Right. Yeah, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix on while we're out there, so we're going to try and get tickets for that. And also, England are playing a cricket game out there as well during that period. Right. Uh, okay. In Jeddah. So um trying to get wrangle tickets for that if I can as well. So you're, you're looking to to entertain yourselves whilst whilst England are out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I, I love the tournaments because it's the unknown. You know, after mm. the group stages, you don't really know when you're going to be playing next. I mean, we've got a very idea where it is because all the games are in the same city. But, um, you know, obviously you can't really book flights yet because you'd then need to book accommodation. It's very difficult at one night accommodation in Qatar anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I quite like the uh, the unknown and, you know, just making it up on, on the wing. So, I mean, you've already mentioned the, the differences between the, the 2006 squad and the current squad. What are your realistic hopes for this year for the Qatar World Cup? I mean, I'm always optimistic and I yeah. always want to win. Um, but I think if I think we'll get to the quarterfinals. Beyond that, I think it'd be tough because I think we're due to face France if the games go the way people think they're going to go. And uh, I mean, the French, I mean, you think Fafana can't get a cap for France and you look at our centre-ass, you know. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've got a much better strength in depth than we have. Uh, we shall uh, we shall see. Um, I've gone wrong. I've gone wrong. If, of I'll, course, I'll, I'll be here on with you in December again. We got the World Cup, you know. But uh, uh, fingers crossed that'll happen. But yeah, well, well, hopefully, yeah. I'll uh, I shall tap you up. Maybe you can give us a uh, give us a commentary from Qatar there and tell us how it's going. Yeah, absolutely, no problem at all. I mean, we are progressing. Obviously, having come. I think it was uh, third, second, and like fourth, third, and second, and we in the last three tournaments, if you include the Nations League. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it's our turn. I don't know. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Howard, thank you very much for your for your time and and thinking back to uh, to two thousand and six and Germany. Been been much appreciated. And yeah, it's uh, let's... Talk to you, Russell. Keep up the good work, mate. I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Take care, mate. Notable mentions for the tournament were the round of 16, which featured Italy against Australia, widely seen as one of the dullest games in living memory. Uh, It was settled with just 30 seconds remaining, uh, Italy being awarded a controversial penalty that Totti converted. Portugal beat the Netherlands 1-0 in what was known as the Battle of Nuremberg, where Russian referee Valentin Ivanov issued 16 yellow cards and four red cards. Portugal would go on to make the semi-finals. They would lose to France, though. The other semi was Germany against Italy, of which the Italians prevailed. The final between the two neighbouring countries. Zidane scoring early and Materazzi equalising with just 20 minutes gone. The game would go to extra time, where both those players would be in the headlines again. With the game fast approaching its end and penalties looming, an off-the-ball incident involving both those goalscorers saw Zinedine Zidane 
widely regarded as one of the world's best at the time, headbutted Matarazzi in the chest with such force that the Italian fell to the ground legitimately. And the referee has got a crush now in his hand in his pocket. He's, he's been told about it. It's off. It's rigged. It's Zidane. The assistant referee, whether the fourth official saw something because of the delay. This is the incident. Matarazzi had an arm round Zidane there. Then they looked at each other. Why did this go on so long? Well, I think words were obviously said, weren't they? Obviously, Matarazzi said something. There it is. Oh, yeah. you can't excuse that. The reasons for this have changed over the years, but the general consensus is that Matarazzi offended Zidane vocally in a racist manner. Zidane was dismissed. France were down to 10 men and the game was to be decided on penalties for only the second time. The first back in 1994, when then it was Brazil who triumphed over Italy. This time, it would be Italy who would win the shootout and Fabio Cannavaro lifting the trophy. So there we are, the story of the 2006 Germany World Cup. Many thanks for listening and also my many thanks go to Howard Taylor for joining me to remember it all. I hope it's brought back some memories, good or bad. And we're slowly getting right up to date with this year's Qatar 2022 World Cup approaching. It means we only have three tournaments left. South Africa 2010, Brazil 2014 and Russia 2018. Where once again I'll be joined by people who were there. I hope you can join me for them. In the meantime, don't forget the show is on all the major social media channels. Go search it out. Give it a like, a follow, a review on iTunes, should you be so kind. Uh, So until the next time, take care of yourselves. Cheers.